Gator Nation, welcome in to another episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Chris Yanes, and you can follow me at Mr. Crispitz. And I'm excited to be back with my co-host, Neil Shulman, and you can follow him at In All Kinds of Weather. we got an exciting episode tonight, breaking down baseball and other Gator news. But before we get started, a quick word about our sponsors and partners. First, we're proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. For those of you that are new listeners, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses it to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. You believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for next season? Please email us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. Second, we're proudly sponsored with Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and will deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it's a veteran-owned business can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business. Two, it's run by a UF alum and a big-time Gator fan. And three, they've got the personal stamp of approval from in all kinds of weather. As they did our new logo and our new website, they did the Gator Good Foundation website, and they do all marketing for the Charleston Gator Club. And they've still got more Gator-related projects on the horizon. So if you're listening to this pod and your brand or company needs help in any of the aforementioned areas, rest assured that Stingray Branding will more than take care of you. To view their full list of services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. And with all that taken care of, Neil, it's great to be back with you. And before we kind of get started, I just want to ask, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, in the spirit of of Memorial Day, I thought it would be a good idea to go check out uh, some of some of America's good and bad history. Check out, took a tour of Fort Sumter out here in Charleston. Um, went over as well the next day to Boone Hall Plantation in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Some some cool history there. Some obviously not very cool history there, but um, very very important history. I think definitely some some powerful stories there. Um, something that I think a lot of people would, 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 I think benefit from, I think, you know, learning is something that we should all be you know doing as much of as possible when we're not cheering on our gators. I think it just makes us better people and makes the world around us better. And I found it definitely to be, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say entertaining necessarily, but definitely fascinating and, and definitely a good use of my Memorial Day. How about you? What'd you do? Well, it was uh, a little bit of DIY around the house, doing a little bit of a house project with my wife, uh, but it's almost complete. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's good to take some ownership in your own home. Uh, and then I hit the beach on actual Monday, so it was good to get uh, some sun. It was the first beach trip of this year and of many to come. So excited to be out there. It was good to recharge the batteries and get back to it uh, this week and have a short four-day work week, which is nice. And it's just good that I think Memorial Day really marks the beginning of summer. For a lot of us so in a way yeah yeah yes and no like now now living in the south i feel like like summer started on tax day like april 15th just because it was consistently warm you got those those summer showers that came on at like four o'clock or 4 15 or so every day and then the clouds go away and the it, all of a sudden oh my god it's it's humid as hell out here that's the south in the summertime i feel well, like the, that's the start of it we're just in the heat of it now 
<laughs> That's fair. I mean, good to see that you're finally starting to uh, understand the way things are uh, daily here in the South, as, as Neil just mentioned. For most of us, and I think a lot of our listeners were accustomed to that three, four o'clock shower, uh, but that, that probably was a little bit of a shock to you when you first moved down here this past year. Well, I mean, remember, I, I've been coming down to Gator games for years. True. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had I mean, my mom is from Tallahassee, Florida. She's a Gator, but she you know, grew up in Tallahassee. But all, all my family there, I've spent time in Jacksonville, Orlando, um, Live Oak a bit. So, I mean, I've, I'm more than familiar with the South, but just, yeah, the a definitely different experience living here uh on a full-time basis as opposed to just spending a week or two here. Definitely, definitely a little bit of a culture shock, but one that I think I was you know, long overdue for me. Definitely. Well, good day you have you here and glad that summer is off and running. And now the summer is off and running. There are some Gator sports that are happening this time of year that we all enjoy. We're going to touch on baseball for the majority of this pod, but before we get there, breaking news. The Florida Gators are going to play for the national championship for the first time in school history for men's golf. This is an exciting achievement for the men's golf program. It's kind of surprising. I was just having this conversation uh, with my wife that it's it's weird that Florida golf just isn't actually a dominant force considering how many people play golf down here in the state of Florida and how many golf courses we have. You would think we would have already kind of achieved this multiple times in our history, but nonetheless, for the first time we advanced to match play this past weekend. And now we are going to be playing for the national championship. We just defeated Florida State 3-2 to two through 21 holes. Uh, Ricky Castillo hit a clutch putt on hole 20. Uh, it was a par putt that it's extended the match. And then on the next putt, drained a birdie putt to send the Gators to the national championship. We will await our opponent. Uh, but just a huge achievement. And that wasn't the even the start of the weekend for the golf, men's golf team. Uh, Fred Biondi is the individual national champion. So the first Gator to do that in its illustrious history. Uh, so Not true. What, Not true. They've had no, two others. That's true? Okay. Well, I stand corrected. I should have done my research on that one before, but uh, congratulations. The first, right? the, first, the first in 22 years, though. Okay. Well, that's probably why I don't remember. It's been a long time. Uh, but nonetheless, great achievement uh, for Brett Biondi, and congratulations to the Florida Gators for advancing to the national championship. With that, though, we also are going to have a pretty exciting recruiting weekend upcoming. We are doing two podcasts this week. We're going to primarily focus on baseball, as I mentioned tonight. But later in the week, we are going to be doing a football-centric podcast where we're going to be talking about our upcoming recruiting weekend. A lot of fans are starting to see the momentum building for the June 2nd and June 9th visits that are upcoming. These are going to be star-studded weekends with multiple blue chip recruits, both committed, uncommitted, and from other schools that potentially are on flip watch. The fireworks could start to fly for this coming recruiting weekend. So be on the lookout for that podcast. And we will be putting out more information on our recruit on our website to preview this weekend. Also that started this week, the SEC coaches meeting has begun. This is where they're going to finally decide on what the new format will be in the 2024 season, whether we go to an eight or nine game schedule. Many sources believe right now a nine game schedule is off the table. We are looking at an eight game schedule. The real debate is how many crossover opponents each team will have. It could be anywhere from a one seven. Uh, there's been other tossed around that we keep three, but the Going theme is that they're going to try to make it where everybody will play each other uh, every four years. So that's that's the goal, but it's going to be difficult to do on an eight-game schedule. 
and with the expanded conference. But we'll get more into that later, as I mentioned. And finally, the news that broke this past week, the Florida-Georgia game will remain in Jacksonville through 2025 as that option was accepted by both schools. The big question is beyond that, what will happen to the rivalry? Will it go home and home? How will the new scheduling affect that? And then also, there's a lot of rumors now that the Jacksonville Jaguars are looking to renovate their stadium like they did back in the mid-1990s, and that forced the rivalry then to both campuses for two years. Is that something we're likely now to see because of this renovation? It remains to be seen, but nonetheless, Florida, Georgia will remain in Jacksonville at least through 2025. So for those fans that have been going to that game now for many, many years in Jacksonville, they'll be happy to be tailgating the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Whether it goes to home and home or whether it stays in Jacksonville, that game is going to be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party until the sun explodes. Like, I don't I don't care where you put that game. You can put it in Atlanta. You can put it in a high school stadium in Macon. I don't care. It's going to be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So that part of the rivalry is going to stay that way forever. Now, where the game goes is a different debate. But that just want to make clear, we're never going to stop calling it that. I agree. Well, we haven't stopped calling it, even though they don't officially call that anymore for political correctness reasons. But everybody uh, still calls we it don't, that. We don't do we PC still... here. We don't do PC here. <laughs> and we We're still... known for that. I think the fans of uh, the way they act before and after the game, uh, it's still the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. Um, Chris, just remind me. I, I didn't. I didn't hear it quite quite clearly enough who who is it again that that florida beat in golf to get to the national championship match i feel like that it needs the, to be well it was the florida state seminoles and uh the florida state okay. seminoles have had a pretty bad weekend in athletics as their baseball program had a 44 year streak snapped of consecutive times at getting into the baseball tournament so uh mike martin built that program up and nepotism brought it right down well, no, I mean, Mike Martin at least kept them in the tournament. Link Jarrett was the one that all hell broke loose with uh, with their program. In fairness, I do think that they have a somewhat brighter future than the season indicated. But, I mean, then again, if it – like, it, it, that's the thing. It wasn't this weekend that, that they clinched that. They clinched that distinction weeks ago because it was several weeks ago that they were eliminated – from the ACC baseball tournament, 12 of the 14 teams go to it. They had already clinched one of the bottom two spots with two weeks to go in the season. So that's how bad they were this past season. Just, just make a note of that for, and it's hard to do the baseball football comparison, but just and as a very, very rough comparison, how, how bad they were in 2020 in football, they were worse in baseball this year. Maybe, maybe a better comparison is their basketball program. That's another thing. What a season for them. Like two of their, two of their big three money sports, so to speak, have the worst seasons in program history. And the other one finally manages to not lose six games or more for the first time since 2016. It's not, it's not all that great there in Tallahassee. Just, you know, enjoy your Cheez-Its, but I promise you things aren't as good as you think they are. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show it's very difficult to maintain a program of athletic excellence. And by and large, the University of Florida has done that for many, many years now. I mean, if you look top to bottom, most of our – I mean, basketball and football right now aren't where we want them to be. But, you know, if you look at gymnastics, they've been in the Super Six and on the cusp of winning a national championship. Softball has been in the NCAA tournament uh, every year for the last 15-plus years since, you know – 
Tim Walton's been there, and they've won multiple national championships. Uh, baseball, we're going to get into it now. Uh, under Kevin O'Sullivan, they now have had a national seat 10 times. Uh, you look at golf, now we're playing for a national championship. Tennis, track and field, they've all now won national championships in, in the last 10 years multiple times. So there, there is an athletic excellence, I think, that Flo- University of Florida has been able to distinguish themselves. It's difficult to be good at every single sport, and I think a lot of people want to be good at the at the big three, football, basketball, and baseball. But Florida has still, as we you know, just sh- – talked about they've been able to maintain it a little bit better i think than their rival in tallahassee and, and certainly their rival down at coral gables for sure not that not that the second one was much competition for that but um you know chris uh actually now segueing into our our main discussion i, I promise to just stop throwing haymakers at fsu and we're actually going to talk some x's and o's of a sport here but it's a nice transition a little little throwback to uh january of this of 2023 we had cameron jackson on the podcast and the first thing we talked to them about was how he was having a blast in the o-dome at a gymnastics meet he was loving the atmosphere at a sport that he never played obviously has no familiarity with but he just loved the vibe of getting to see other athletes in another sport be elite at what they do and other fans of the Florida Gators in those orange and blue jackets and shirts and whatnot come together to just watch elite athletes be elite. And I have a feeling that, no, it's not going to be the focal point. It's absolutely not going to be the most important thing that these recruits see this weekend. But I have a feeling that, oh, yeah, by the way, our baseball program is elite. So if you just want to sit back and kick back on the lawn and just watch a great baseball team, yeah, we have that here. I have a feeling that's going to be tossed in there somewhere along the way, and we will see some recruits at that baseball regional this weekend. Just a thought, but we know it worked on Cameron Jackson. So here's betting that at least for some recruits, that's going to have some interest be peaked as a result. Well, and just look at our top recruit now in our football program for 2024, DJ Lagway, is a baseball player. He's a dual sport athlete. He could play baseball here at the University of Florida, be a dual scholarship player, certainly talented at both sports. And even look at Austin Simmons, same thing. I mean, Austin Simmons apparently can throw 96-mile-an-hour fastball. I mean, that's incredibly impressive for somebody his age who's not even uh, yet a junior in high school and is looking to potentially reclassify uh, and join the program this coming summer. So, you know, I, I think it goes to show, you know, the, the football players, it's great to see them supporting other athletics, but also I think it helps that they are elite athletes in other sports too, and that they see an opportunity at a school like Florida to be able to play multiple sports uh, and great elite programs. Uh, But with that, we talked about baseball. We've been hinting at it enough. Let's get into it. The Florida Gators are the number two overall seed entering the baseball tournament. As I mentioned, this is the 10th time in Kevin O'Sullivan's career at the University of Florida that he has achieved a national uh, seed, which is a huge accomplishment. This is the 12th time in 15 of in 15 years under O'Sullivan that we will be hosting. So this is this is huge. This is a huge time for, for, for our baseball program. And it just is a culmination, I think, of what's been a very good year for this team. They finished the year with 42 wins. Uh, they made it to the semifinal in the SEC tournament after being regular season SEC champions. And they, you know, they, they I think the SEC tournament run was a little bit of a uh, the season in a nutshell. They were trailing Alabama six to three 
And then they turned around and ripped off four consecutive hits, finishing off in the BT Ryapel three-run homer to win that one in extra innings. The next night, BT Ryapel followed that up with a grand slam when the game was knotted up at two, when the Gators went on to win that one six to three. And unfortunately, in the semifinal, the Gators' luck against Vanderbilt ran out in the fifth meeting of the season. Pretty difficult to beat an elite team like Vanderbilt five times, and I think the odds eventually got into Florida's you know, win against Florida there. But beating a team like that four out of five times in a season is is very impressive. And, you know, the SEC tournament is a very difficult tournament to win. It's the it's definitely the best conference in America for, for college baseball. So they are the SEC regular season champions. And I know, Neil, you certainly got into some debates with with people on Twitter and what's a bigger accomplishment. And and I and I actually agree. I think that winning the SEC regular season is a much bigger accomplishment than winning the SEC tournament. The SEC tournament just proves that you can get hot on a week, one weekend, and 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 win it. Uh, versus the body of work over the entire season, where Florida did not lose a home series and they only lost two series the entire season, and that was Texas A and M, and then of course the sweep to South Carolina, and now and both of those were on the road. So, Florida's region. They drew the Florida A&M Rattlers, who they did play and defeat and swept during the regular season. And then they also drew UConn, the Connecticut Huskies, and Texas Tech. And this is certainly not the Texas Tech team uh, from earlier this past decade, but it is still a good Texas Tech team and, and, and teams that we cannot overlook before looking to a super regional where we potentially could be matched up with the 15th national seed. South Carolina, who we mentioned, swept the Florida Gators in the regular season. So, Neil, give us your thoughts on kind of how the season ended and what it means. Uh, kind of, I want you to give, you know, have a chance to maybe kind of what you think is the importance of winning the SEC regular season tournament and then what the SEC tournament can do for a program going into the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, I, I tweeted this, and, and I think it's it's more true now after talking to a couple of players who, who kind of nodded. And actually, one went out of his way to send me the tweet with just a, a bunch of laughing, crying emojis, and then one uh, 100 emoji at the end. But it, it's like if, if, college, if college baseball is a video game, then the SEC tournament, for, for a team like Florida this year that's been elite from – this time we swept Charleston Southern to the last season of the series when we beat Kentucky and through it all, we've been an elite baseball team for a team with that profile. The sec baseball tournament is like a bonus round where you can't die. You can only just rack up more points. It's, it's a bonus. It literally, it's a bonus stage before you go and you face the final series of bosses in the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, the, uh, the world series will be the final boss. The world series championship series will be the final boss. I frankly don't care that Florida lost the game to Vanderbilt. I'm a little bit more concerned with how Jack Caglio looked on the mound. It definitely does not inspire a ton of confidence, especially after we thought he had turned a corner with two great performances in his last two outings, one of which was against that same Vanderbilt team. Um, but as far as the importance of losing the SC tournament semifinal, first of all, it's set up in a really profoundly stupid way where Vanderbilt got to beat Florida in their second attempt and then knocks Florida out with the Gators only having one loss. Whereas Vanderbilt, and if it were a true 
double elimination tournament, Vanderbilt would have had to beat the Gators twice in a row, which is how the NCAA baseball regionals work. If you're two and zero and you then lose to a two and one team, the two and one team has to beat you twice in a row, and you at two and zero have two shots to beat them. Anyway, it, it's just a mess, and I think it's honestly because of the the pedigree the SEC baseball league has. Honestly, just one more chance to add a couple of resume boosters, but it it doesn't really. I mean, I guess if if the twelve seed got hot and otherwise wasn't going to make the tournament. Yeah, okay, they could come in and, and win it and get themselves in the tournament. But beyond that, it's meaningless. I, I never saw any real reason to, to get too invested in it. It, it feels like a, a combination of of spring training, but late in the year and the aforementioned um, analogy of, of just a, bo- of a of a bonus stage before you face the final boss. So I really wouldn't put too much stock into it. I'm a little concerned about Caglione, but the loss itself does, it, it, it cuts no ice with me. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Caglione, as great of a hitter as he's been all season, we've known that he has been a little bit inconsistent on the mound. He's had some great outings. He's also had some outings where he's given up a lot of runs and has set Florida back uh, for the evening. So, you know, we'll have to see. I think pitching is, is, is you have to manage pitching in an SEC tournament knowing that the, it means absolutely nothing. Florida had the national seed that they had pretty that they got pretty much locked up going into the tournament. They would have had to implode in the first game for anything really to change. And I'm not even sure had they won the SEC tournament, they would have even been the number one overall seed. I mean, it was they could have been potentially, but they got about as high as they could potentially go. And I mean, at this point, they really just need to get through uh, the tournament and and get they 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 one of the odds on favorites. I think if you're looking at the odds, they were like top four of advancing to Omaha. So this team should get to Omaha. It would be a complete disaster if they didn't. And I mean, the way I look at it, Neil going into the tournament, maybe we want to have this conversation now and then we can preview the region. But in my opinion, and, and I hate to say this, it's kind of national championship or bust. I mean, this team should win the national championship. They they've got the hitting and maybe the one thing that they're missing is a little bit more of a consistent bullpen like they had in 2017. I think 2017, if you look at that roster, the pitching was probably better. They had a solid closer in Michael Byrne. The rotation was a little bit more consistent, but they don't have the power. They didn't have the power hitters that this team has. And as you can see, no lead really is insurmountable. I mean, they were down 10 to nothing to Vanderbilt, and they got that within five runs fairly quickly. In if had they had some more timely hitting, they could have made that interesting actually against Vandy. Uh, but you know you can't spot a team ten runs and then ultimately win. So what is your thoughts? Is this team is it national championship or bust? I don't think that's ever really fair to say, just because there's so much weirdness that goes into college baseball. I mean, th- there there's a reason the number one overall seed hasn't ever won the championship this century. I mean, the last team to do it was '99 Miami, but it's definitely Omaha or bust. I think that's the that's the reasonable expectation that you have to set for a team that's been this elite all year long. Just because, I mean, go look look back at the Georgia series. You have a, a pair of pitchers in Georgia. You have one of them with an ERA of five point nine seven, and the other one with an ERA of two point eight six or so. The guy with the ERA of almost six shuts us down. And the next day, the Gators come back and absolutely bludgeon the guy with the really good stat line. So that that's just normal for baseball. There's so much weirdness. The game of inches line that I think you can apply to any sport is never really any more prescient than in college baseball. It's a game of nanometers, too. Like, if you catch a baseball 
on the middle of your barrel, it's going out of the park. But maybe a millimeter up, if you catch it a millimeter up, it's a deep fly ball, but one that's going to be caught at the wall. And that could be the difference between a grand slam with two outs and four runs and end of the inning, no runs come across. So there's just so many, so many micro details that come into play that you can't really ask your your guys to reasonably control. But for the regional round and the super regional round where the Gators do have the better team, and it's clear the Gators have the better team, I think it's fair to say that it it is Omaha or bust. Because when you get to College World Series, you're either going to be facing teams that are as elite as you, like Arkansas and Wake Forest. Um, I think Stanford kind of fell at the end, but I mean, LSU has a ridiculous amount of talent. They slipped at the end, but they're talented. Either someone who's as talented as you or someone who's extremely hot and that no one wants to face like Oklahoma was last year, like Mississippi was last year. So Omaha or bust for sure for this team. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely fair. All right. So let's look at a little bit more in depth at, uh, the regional, the, the players themselves. So we, we've talked about the Florida Gators, an elite hitting group, guys like BT, Raya Pell, uh, Jack Caglione, pitching staff that can definitely do its job, but is going to have to remain consistent. But let's look at some of the other teams that we're playing. So if you look at the number two seed, the UConn Huskies, uh, they're coming in with 43 wins, only one shy of where the Gators are. But if you look a little bit deeper at that 43 win total, it is a little bit of a paper tiger. They did not play the strength of schedule that Florida played. Uh, but nonetheless, 43 wins. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect from UConn, Neil. Well, UConn did not play a single game against any of the top 16 national seeds. Uh, the, the best team that they played, period, was Boston College. And they they split a pair of games with them. Boston College is the regional two seed in uh, Alabama's regional. So, they can hit. They can definitely hit the ball. Their their stats definitely back that up. I don't know how those numbers are going to translate to forget the Gators to to Texas Tech. I don't know how their numbers are going to fare against Texas Tech. Uh, names wise, I'd say definitely look out for Dominic Freeberger, uh, Ben Huber. Those are probably their their two best hitters. Jake Studley, another one that can definitely spray the ball. I'd say he's a. I mean, he, you know, he's someone you got to be careful with. Um, Luke Broadhurst and Corey Morton, two other guys with respectable batting averages. Um, but I mean, as, as long as, as long as you're you're super careful with Freeberger, I mean, he has the best average, I think, at, at 349. I double check that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, all right, it's 349. 349 batting average for him. Um, as long as you're careful with him and you know, you don't just groove pitches and you don't get wild and you, you know, walk three batters in a row and load the bases, and then maybe one guy gets the hit that he's going to get that game and it's a double and it's three runs. As long as you're just super careful with their lineup and don't do anything stupid, I think Florida's pitching definitely has the advantage there. Um, but, I mean, again, it, it, there's there's something to be said, in, in especially in college baseball, for a team with a terrible strength of schedule. It's, it's 78th in the country. And to their credit, they took advantage of it. But there's something to be said for a team that is part of an eight-team league in the big East where only one other team made the NCAA tournament. And that was Xavier. And that was only just, I mean, they Xavier just got in as one of those last teams in the field. So that's, that's the competition that they've been racking up these numbers against all year long. So um, definitely, I wouldn't say scared of them. 
Obviously, anything can happen on any given day. You got to hit your spots as pitchers. You can't, you know, mess around in the field, play a clean game defensively, but uh, put some barrels on some pitches, start whacking it over the yards. They're going to find gaps. They're going to find power alleys and the Gators. I mean, I would think because UConn's pitching isn't really that great, uh, the, the Gators should be a, a definitely an odds on favorite whenever, if, if that matchup comes to pass. Yeah, in all time, if it does come, Florida is a perfect 6-0 and versus UConn. The last time they did meet was in 2016, so it has been quite a while. However, UConn uh, has also faced Texas Tech, and they have a 1-4 and record against them, so not a great uh, improvement. They will face them in the first game. Uh, Texas Tech definitely plays in a much uh, more competitive conference You know, with the likes of Texas, and Oklahoma, they were 39 and 21 in the regular season, about 12 and 12 in Big 12 play. So they struggled there. Uh, but this is definitely a team that can make some noise in the NCAA tournament and may honestly be more uh, favored than UConn to reach the regional final. Is that safe to say, Neil? So if you look at it bracketologically, like if you were to attempt to convert the the, the 16 regions of four in baseball, try to convert that to a basketball regional where you're used to having one versus 16, two versus 15, whatever. If you think about that, the top four national seeds are going to be your one seeds in a basketball regional. And the teams that they face are going to be the 16s. Now, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you'll get a team that's got a top four overall seed faced off against, say, the, the 59th overall team or the 62nd where it's more like a one versus a 14 but generally speaking the good number one regional seeds are paired with the bad number four regional seeds so if you convert that to a, a basketball pod it would look something like one eight nine sixteen in that pod therefore texas tech and yukon are pretty similar that's that that's the equivalent of an eight nine matchup essentially saying it's a coin flip. It's a toss up. And honestly, that's a matchup that I think Texas Tech should be a clear cut favorite in because the records aren't that different. I mean, UConn has, I think, uh, I think four more wins than they do. I think, uh, yeah, UConn's 43 and 15. Texas Tech is 39 and 21. So, you know, they do have the edge there, but, but not by much. And Texas Tech plays far better competition. And honestly, I, I mean, I've watched Texas Tech more just because they're on more. They play better teams, so they're going to be on TV more. I watched them, and they have some guys that can barrel some balls up. Um, starting with you know, Gavin Cash, Nolan Hester, Gage Harrelson, Hudson White, and Kevin Bezel. Those are five guys in their lineup that all hit above 315 on the year. That's and, – and, and, you know, against big – 12 opposition, not against the big East or against the SWAC. No, those are, they're, they're in the big leagues in college baseball and they're hitting all above 315 on the year. So that's more than half their lineup that can legitimately beat Florida if you're not careful with them. And like UConn, I mean, they have similar DNA and that they're much better offensively than, than on the mound. But the, the fact that, that these guys have gone toe to toe with, you know, the, the better opposition, they went and played a, a series against Stanford. They that was a, a non-conference series they went and played. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, very good team, a national seed. The West Virginia, I thought, was gonna be a national seed until they completely flamed out down the stretch. But West Virginia was a top 10-ish, top 15 seed, or, or top 10, top 15 team for most of the of the season before they imploded at the end. And they went and they took care of them, at least offensively, they did. 
So this is a team that I think is much more battle tested, a team that Florida is going to be much more likely to face. And I mean, again, the Gators are the better team, but if we have a bullpen implosion or if, or if we don't get a, a good start from Caglione or if it's Sprout or Waldrop who doesn't do well against them, things could get hairy because that's a team that I think could potentially take us into a, you know, late into a game where it's seven, five or eight, six or something like that. And it'll be anything but a certainty that Florida pulls away. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see on that one. And finally previewing Texas A&M. This is a team that Florida is very accustomed to playing. They've met Florida A&M. I'm sorry, Florida A&M. Uh, had enough of Texas A&M. Texas A&M, yeah. Florida A&M, the, the Rattlers up in Tallahassee. Uh, Florida has played them 30 times. A&M has only come away with one victory all time in those 30 matchups. The most recent was on April 18th when the Gators 10-run ruled them 17-7. to Those were That was a midweek game. Uh, they've never faced UConn nor Texas Tech. That will likely change this weekend or for sure will change this week in one way or another, whether they advance or it's an elimination game. But tell us about the SWAC uh, tournament champions. So they're like, I mean, as I was using the the basketball pod analogy with the one, eight, nine, 16, fam, fam uses 16. Like that this would be the baseball equivalent of fairly Dickinson beating Purdue or UMBC beating Virginia, the, I mean, the, the talent gap is that wide. The the resume gap is that wide. I mean, they just don't recruit the same type of player. So, I mean, Florida, Florida beat FAMU earlier this year, 17 to seven. And, you know, FAMU got seven runs because Florida wasn't even using their, the, the good part of their bullpen in a part of the season where the bullpen really wasn't good, period. Florida used the worst part of it and still wound up run ruling them and winning by double digits. So, I don't think there's any real reason to worry about this game, at least at least not any more than any, any other baseball game where you know all the disclaimers by now, hit your spots, don't do anything stupid in the field, do all the fundamental things right, don't mess around, take it seriously, and, and Florida shouldn't have anything to worry about. Yeah, so we'll have to see. That's going to be the first game Friday night uh, in Conrad Ballpark. Neil, is there a situation where maybe because – Florida A&M is not as good of a team as, you know, a Texas Tech or even a UConn that maybe you don't throw Brandon Sprout the first game. Maybe you throw a Caglione or a Waldrop, or do you just go with your ace the first night? Well, I mean, I think Florida has really got two co-aces in, in Sprout and Waldrop. It's, it's, it's tricky and, it, and it's complicated. Uh, I, I see the arguments for both. I understand the faction of fans that want to use CAGs against FAMU. There's a faction that just wants to stay on schedule. But honestly, the latter is probably the minority. You know, keep your guys on schedule. Don't throw anyone on short rest. But anyway, I'm of the opinion that that there's a plus and a minus to both of them. The argument for using CAGs against FAMU is that he's been the shakiest starter that you've got. So you want to use your more dependable starters against the better opponents. In the worst case scenario, there's still a path to sweeping through the regional in just three games. Worst case being, Cags is a terrible outing against FAMU. You pull them early. It's going to suck to exhaust your bullpen, but you do it. 
And then there's a legitimate hope that you can still outslug them and win a 14 to 10 type of game. And then you're one to know you rely on your good outings from Sproat and Waldrop in the one Oh game. And then the Sunday two Oh versus two one game. And you don't need to go to that fourth game and you have a minimal need for your bullpen. The argument against using CAGs on Friday is a bit more complex. Uh, first being that you know he is on short rest, which increases the likelihood that he either won't do well or won't last for very long. And either way, you're going to need your bullpen to get you a ton of outs. And you'll exhaust them on Friday. And you'll take a lot or at least some of your good arms out of commission for the rest of the weekend. I'd also say that because Florida is the best team in the regional, you don't need to get fancy. You don't need to take this gamble. You don't need to dial up a trick play or misdirection, to use a football term. You're the better team. Trust your bats to get the job done. Oh, and yeah, the two starts before Cag struggled against Vandy and Hoover, by the way, he was absolutely unhittable. So it's not like you're guaranteed to be in trouble if Cags doesn't have, or, or, or if you start Cags against FAMU. Those are you know two of the top 12 teams in the country. He shut down in two of his last three outings, and he's had a lot more good than bad this year. So I say rolling the dice and praying that you get good Cags on the mound isn't that much of a gamble and probably... Um, something that you know Sully will consider, but regardless of what Sully does, I I trust him, and I don't think either of the options are are truly right or wrong. They're just they're just different options. Yeah, Neil, and well, thank God though we have a manager in Kevin O'Sullivan who has a really good track record of managing pitching and arms throughout these weekends. He's kind of experienced being at the University of Florida for 15 years now, and obviously the national championship. So. Leave it up to him to make that decision, but it certainly was just a question and a thought in my mind is maybe how you strategize the arms throughout the weekend and the NCAA tournament. But now it's time for some predictions. So, Neil, uh, let's do this. Let's predict who, what they, what we, how we think the region's going to break out, who we ends up in the regional final, and then a percentage chance of each team getting out of the region. Okay, interesting. So, um, I said that. I, I'm. I feel pretty confident that that Texas Tech is a better team than UConn. I don't know that I'm going to predict Texas Tech to to sweep them. I think that in some faction or, or, or in some way they'll beat each other once. I'm just I'm torn on on who wins the one one game, which is the more important one to get to the regional final at two and one. But I'll say I'll go out and say that Florida beats FAMU. Not really a shocker there. I'll say that. I'll say, I'll say that, that UConn actually beats Texas Tech in the first game to get to the 1-0 game. I think that Florida will then beat UConn to get to the regional final at 2-0. I think Texas Tech gets payback on UConn to get to the final at 2-1 and one and set up Texas Tech versus Florida in the regional final with Texas Tech having to beat Florida twice in a row and the Gators having two shots to win one game against Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech gets a game off of Florida, and I think things get very, very scary because they do have a lineup that can hit the ball. I mean, they have two guys with with batting averages over uh, over three fifty. They have uh, actually one guy hitting almost three seventy five. Uh, Nolan Hester, Kevin Bazell also hitting above three fifty, and Gage Harrelson, Hudson White, and Gavin Cash all above three fifteen too. That's just that that worries me that worries me with the way the Gators bullpen has been it's been better yes been better late in the year but still not what I would call tremendous and you know they've been doing it against decent pitching so I think Tech gets a game off Florida and forces 
a, a frightening game seven winner take on Monday. I think the Gators who are going to be down to just a bullpen game, but so will Texas tech. And I think their bullpen is going to break before Florida as well. Cause they all have played an extra game. And I think Florida will get the job done on Monday night in Gainesville to advance out of the regional. But I, I don't think that this is going to be easy by any means. Florida's the best team for sure, but we're going to also take everyone else's best shot. All right. So uh, percentage, real quick, percentage chance of each team getting out. Percentage chance. Um, I'm going to go Florida. I mean, see, I, I wrote these out. I'm going to change them slightly uh, from, from my preview article. I'm going to say Florida – Within an 82% chance, I think Florida is clearly the best team here, and they definitely have the best chance to get out of the regional. And simply by going 2-0, and they put themselves in a much better position because they'll have exhausted their bullpen in one less game. Um, but so I'll, I'll say 82% for Florida. I'll say, say about 7% for Connecticut. And I'll say the remaining 11% is Texas Tech. I just – I don't think that Texas Tech – Especially if I'm right about Florida going two and zero and putting Texas Tech in the losers bracket, I just don't think that their bullpen, which has been worse than Florida's this year, I don't think that their bullpen can hold up having to play an extra game. But I do think that they have a better chance to advance out of the regional than Connecticut does. And FAMU, I'll say, is, I mean, I'll never say zero, but as close to it as possible. They're, they're just they're, they're they don't have the same caliber of athlete as the other three schools. So 82 for Florida, 7 for Connecticut, and 11 for Texas Tech. 0% for those poor Rattlers. I'll say 0.00000000001% chance. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, there always is, man. That's the beauty of baseball. Right. Well, I mean, hey, if we, if we, you know, well, we watched Florida get 0-2 out of their regional by usf and south alabama so yeah there's and before that people you know the younger fans may not, may not remember but in 2014 florida was the number two overall seed they'd won the sec championship with a freshman named pete alonzo that year they got zero and two out of their own regional that year too by college of charleston in north carolina so yeah there's always a chance yep they got softball saved the day on that season but yeah i do remember yeah. that Yep. Uh, well, okay. So my prediction for this, I'll go a little bit more of the optimistic route. I think the Florida Gators sweep. They get 3-0. They get out of the regional. I think they're playing really good baseball right now. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought they had an impressive showing in Hoover. It's difficult to get out of that tournament, as we mentioned, but they've been a very impressive team. They had an impressive sweep over Vanderbilt in the regular season and taking uh, the the series over Kentucky to win the SEC title was huge. So I think as a team that's just playing good baseball at the right time, I think they get out of it. I do think they'll have a, maybe a, a close game in the regional final against Texas Tech to make it interesting, like you said, Neil. But I think they get the job done on Sunday. So I am predicting Texas Tech to get to the regional final. I'm also predicting uh, the Gators will not face UConn whatsoever. So I think that the Gators will take care of business against the Rattlers Friday. Texas Tech beats UConn as well. The Gators will play uh, Texas Tech and defeat them in the 1-0 game. And then Texas Tech will defeat UConn in the 1-1 game to advance to the regional final. So I am going to assign 85% chance that the Gators get out of the region. I'm going to say 10% for Texas Tech. I'm going to say 4% for UConn and 1% for the Rattlers. I'll give them 1%. That'll be nice. Here's, here's another thing to consider, too. We talked about Florida maybe holding on to 
to Spur and Waldrip. Does does Tim Tadlock, Texas Tech's coach, does Tim Tadlock dare take the gamble and save his best starter, Mason Molina, for the 1-0 game against Florida? And does he dare go out and say, yeah, you know, we'll just beat UConn and we're going to take that gamble that we're going to be 1-0 and face Florida and they're going to have to face our ace? Does he dare take that gamble? Because if he does, it Mason Molina is a very good pitcher. He's, I wouldn't say quite Sproats level, but he he's the best they've got. And he, you know, he, he could give us problems. Yeah. And I think that the Florida has faced uh, multiple aces on Friday nights uh, or Thursdays throughout the year. Uh, they've also have Waldrip, as you mentioned, as kind of a co-ace. So that's kind of the advantage of going Sproat. Ben Waldrip in the second game is no matter who you throw, even if you were to throw Caglione in the first game, you still have an ace likely to match up with Texas Tech's ace if they did go that route. So I think it really comes down to pitching. For me, that's the key to the whole tournament for Florida is pitching. If oh, sure. Florida, if if Florida can be consistent in pitching, and especially in the bullpen and not blow leads, then they're going to be fine. And I and I and they just can't let they can't let Vanderbilt games happen again. Like that, that has to be the last game of the season where that happened, where they just spotted them a 10 piece. The fifth Vanderbilt game. Yeah. Yeah. The SEC yeah. semifinal. Against right. Them. I mean, that would, but like, again, that was just bad Caglione on the mound. We saw it against Tennessee too, not that long ago. It was back in, I think, on Easter. He just didn't get out of the first inning that game. And the result was terrible. So that's what happens when you walk guys, when you miss your spots, and when the balls that are going over the plate are getting clobbered into gaps. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Texas Tech, I mean, no, they don't have a Josh Jung. They don't have a Grant Little on their team. But they have, like like we said, five guys with batting averages above 315 on the year and two of them above 350 on the year in Kevin Bazell and Nolan Hester. And, I mean, again, man, I, I, I worry a little bit that – that they might take that gamble of saving Molina for Florida. Maybe they'll throw uh, Trenton Parrish or, or Zane Petty. Typically they're, they're two or three uh, number, number two or number three starters against UConn and, and just assume that they're going to outslug them to get Florida um, in the one Oh game. And then Florida you know, just, just picks that night for the bats to go dead. Like we saw that against Georgia in the middle game um, of that series. It wasn't even a good Georgia pitcher, but Second game of the series, just didn't do it. And Florida, remember, you're 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 banking on Florida sweeping through the regional. Florida doesn't have many sweeps on the year. They yeah, they have a couple. Vandy is the one everyone knows. Um, Missouri, but you know Charleston Southern doesn't really count that. Siena, but it's very very difficult to sweep through a weekend without losing a single game. Like it just doesn't happen that often. In college baseball, usually, you know, you win a series two to one. Like we beat Kentucky two games to one. We beat Miami two games to one. We beat Georgia two games to one. We celebrated those. Those were considered successful weekends because we won the series. We had the bragging rights, but we still lost the game. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of thinking there's going to be a night where the bats go dead or where someone doesn't have it on the mound for us. But like I said, you know, I, I do think that the regional will go to a game seven on Monday, but I do think the Gators get the job done because the Gators are just far and away the most talented team. And especially if they go two and oh, they're going to be in such a good position that they can just wear out the other team's bullpen, whether that's Texas tech or UConn. So you're the optimistic guy. I get it, but it, I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see Florida getting bounced out of their regional for a third straight year. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if we don't get the sweep. 
when I looked at the draw and I saw Texas Tech on there, that really stood out for me. It also stood out that we potentially could compare it up with South Carolina in the Super Regional. I, I mean, I think that that is that that's 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 a tough draw considering we got swept by them, and I don't think it would happen again. But still, there's that that thought in the back of your mind that that team did that to us up at Columbia. So we'll have to we'll have to see how things shake out. But uh, you know, Florida, I, I don't think that any of the teams though in the region match up to the competition we had faced week in and week out in the SEC for the most part. And That's true. I, That's and, true. I th- and I think when you're a battle-tested team like we are, with the amount of talent that we have, I think we can get the sweep done. I'm not saying that there won't be a close game. I mean, I expect us to blow out Florida a and I I kind of expect us to win one of the two games, either the 1-0 or the final game, in fairly comfortable fashion, but it would not surprise me if one, if or both, are close. It, it you know, depend, especially if it's Texas Tech. So we'll have to see. Uh, but it, I think this was a good uh, preview. And and really quick, Neil, uh, last thing: Who do you think the Gators face in the Super Regional? I don't think it's South Carolina. I think that Carolina. Yeah, I know they swept us. Their fans have made no shortage of mentions about that on Twitter, but. Ever since that sweep, they've gotten a lot worse, and we've gotten a lot better. Also, Campbell is in that regional, and if you haven't heard of them, it's probably because you know they don't—they're not good in base or they're not good in any sport other than baseball. At least, you know the sports that Gator fans follow. But no football, no basketball prowess to speak of. But their baseball program is solid. That I mean, that's. I'll, I'll try to make a, a football comparison, even though I hate these, but just to try to convert more you know, football, basketball only fans into Gator baseball fans. To give you a comparison, like program wise, Campbell baseball, I would say is probably, probably like an Oklahoma state in football. Um, maybe more like a, Maybe more like a Clemson before Clemson won their two national titles uh, under Dabo is probably even a better comparison, just geographically, and uh, you know the, the the pool of talent that, that they recruit from, and just the, the prestige that they have within the Southeast. You know, for those who follow baseball, and maybe Clemson's a little too high, but maybe um, maybe maybe like a North Carolina State. That that's probably better. They're like a North Carolina State in football. That's about the level of prestige they have. They're a solid program. They're not a joke. It's not like that. They're a one-year wonder here. They make the tournament pretty frequently, and they were in the conversation to host an, a regional this year. They were in that top sixteen conversation, and some felt that they were snubbed and that they didn't get one. So I think that South Carolina is going to have their hands full with them and NC State, who are both in their regional this weekend. Carolina very well may advance, but if I'm you know, gun to my head, force make a prediction. I'm going to go with Campbell getting out of that, and the Gators will face the Campbell Camels in the Supers. That's a nice wild card pick. I, I I agree. Actually, the Carolina won't get through. I think if the Florida series was the peak of their season, and they have not played well, and as I mentioned, that's why I'm predicting Florida to sweep out of the regional because I think they're just playing good baseball at the right time, where South Carolina is not. And I and I agree, they're going to struggle. And I, I'm going to predict NC State to get out of that region. When I looked at it, and I, I'll admit I don't know as much about the Campbell program as maybe Neil does, but I, I, I like NC State to get out of that regional. And I just think either way, Carolina is going to have their hands full with either one of those teams. So I'm going to predict NC State, and I'm going to predict the Gators to get to Omaha, but we will, we will have to see. That would so. be a rematch of the 2012 Supers. 
where if you follow the MLB, you might have heard of a guy named Carlos Rodon, who started for the NC State Wolfpack in that Super Regional, and the Gators kind of chomped him up. And that was that's that that's a nice little bragging right to have. Oh yeah, Carlos Rodon, he's a good pitcher in the MLB. Yeah, Florida killed him. Nice little fun talking point. But yeah, man, college baseball is upon us. Like to me, as someone who genuinely loves college baseball, this is as exciting as March Madness to me. Like this is that this is the most fun time of the year. You have so many, so many teams all competing in the early rounds. Like, you know, you have the first two days of the March Madness basketball tournament. Probably most people listening to this either take off from work or they have that boss button ready on their computer and they just do nothing but binge watch it all day. That's what I've done for you know most of the past several years. This year, I'm actually going to be driving down to Gainesville to watch the games in person, or I would be doing it again. I'll probably have you know a game on the radio or so. But yeah, man, it's exciting. It's 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 an exciting time, and hopefully, the Gators can erase the terrible memories of the last two regionals that they've hosted. And I mean, we'll talk about Omaha soon, but you know, hoping they win this regional, but. Yeah, that's, that's got to be the focus. Let's not worry too much about Carolina or NC State or Campbell or if Central Connecticut State pulls a, a seismic stunner and wins that regional. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. For now, let's win that regional, boys. Let's go. Let's beat Texas Tech. Let's beat UConn. Let's beat FAMU, whoever we may face. Let's go out and take care of business because we haven't done so the last two years and it hasn't felt good. So time to write a nice story for ourselves for once. I say that like we I, I say that like we didn't make four straight World Series in 15 and 18, 16, 17, and 18. But I mean, yeah, bad taste in our mouths for sure that we gotta get out. Sully's due for a, a return to Omaha. It's been five years, it's too long, been long enough. The COVID year, I think, would have been the year we probably would have returned, but like a lot of things, COVID robbed us. So but that wraps it up with baseball. Like I said, we are going to be having a football podcast that's going to drop later in the week. So please be on the lookout for that. Also want to give a shout out to one of our partners, Alma Mater. Please go on our website at all, in, in all kinds of weather and click the Alma Mater link. It's a great time if you're going to be gearing up for the, uh, the baseball tournament to go get some of that great gear. Um, as well as some of the, the golf hats that the guys have been wearing on the course uh, that Florida script white hat with the blue Florida script. That's another good one. Um, so definitely go check them out on the Alma Mater website. Make sure to hit that link on our website when you read one of our articles or just check out one of our podcasts. Uh, but Neil, that does it for an episode of In All Kinds of Weather. I want to thank you all for tuning in and be on the lookout for an episode later in the week. Have a good night. Go Gators.